0: Chicago Fire fans and Major League Soccer fans. This is Nick with the Feed the Fire podcast and welcome to episode 13 where we are previewing the Chicago Fire's upcoming game at home against DC United. Welcome back to all our return listeners and welcome to all of our first timers. We're so happy you're here to talk all things Chicago Fire with us. To begin, I got to thank especially our sponsor, Skira Icelandic Spring Water, for supporting the show, for supporting me, as well as our featured guest, John Donovan, who comes in after every Chicago Fire game to give us his takes on how the match went. So look out for John's opinions and all of his analysis next week's episode. Now, make sure that you're following along on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts or even on YouTube where... Uh, We also have other Chicago Fire and MLS content outside of the podcast, so check it all out. But fans, I am so happy to be with you here previewing this D.C. United game. I was in the city today. We took the kids over to the Harry Potter Magic at Play experience at the Water Tower place. They got to run around. They got to play Magic. We went out for some good old Chicago pizza in the city, and now we get to look forward to the Chicago Fire possibly getting in on a win streak. Everybody, a two-game win streak. But these I know it's two games, but these are the things we need to get excited for here as Chicago Fire fans. So coming home from the Harry Potter at play uh, event, let's hope there's a little bit of magic left for Chicago this weekend. Quickly previewing the match itself. It's a home game for the Fire. They're going to be at Soldier Field Saturday, April 1st. Game Starts at 7.30 p.m. And uh, yeah, April 1st, let's just avoid having the fire look like April Fool's, right? And again, if they get the win, they will have back-to-back wins for the first time since August 2021. Now, they're coming off a really good result, 3-2 win down in Miami. And as a matter of fact, Carlos Teran was named to the Team of the Week in Major League Soccer for his goal and his defending, as well as Brian Gutierrez was added as a bench player for the team of the week. So let's hope that their positive play continues. And that is where we are going to start our Chicago Fire preview with the question on who starts at center mid for the Fire. Now, Ezra has said, manager Ezra Hendrickson has shed, said that Jordun Shakiri is the starter. When he is fit, when he comes back from injury, Shakiri is going to be the starter. I hope that he actually watched the game against Miami because if that's the case, he's going to have to eat those words and take back what he said because Brian Gutierrez has been playing extremely well as the center attacking midfielder, as the playmaker, as the one who makes things go for the offense for the Chicago Fire in Jared and Shakiri's absence these last two games. I think it's a coincidence that the Fire scores six goals, Three game, three goals apiece in the two games that Shakiri is out, but Gutierrez is in. No, that's not a coincidence. That's the players running harder and playing better with Gutierrez. Shakiri, when he gets the ball, I like that he looks up and he looks forward. But the first thing he wants to do is play a ball down into the channels and, or, or play a ball right at the striker, which is great. But when you only have Casper Shabilko, or when you only have, say, Chris Mueller. Running forward, it's it doesn't create much offense. Shakiri does not want to be on the ball dribbling around, getting kicked, getting fouled, because that's what the other teams are doing. So he's playing fast balls, and there is something to be said about playing fast, especially because the Chicago Fire want to play on the counterattack. However, Brian Gutierrez is much more comfortable, it seems, at least from what we've seen in the first four games for the fire. He's more comfortable with the ball at his feet taking on the first defender and then passing the ball forward, right? Or taking in the space, driving into the space. He can make that happen. And when he does that, that allows his wingers in Mueller and Selassie, or Torres whenever he comes back from injury, to get downfield with him. So he has the first outlet out of the striker, whether that's Shabilko, whether that's Kamara, though I don't see Ezra changing things up more on that later. Uh, I, I'm assuming Shabilko will start and then Kamara will come in later, especially with Kutius, uh still in Greece as far as I know or still with the under-19 Greek squad. But Gutierrez will take the ball and will run forward and take the space or will pass it into space and allow his teammates to build into the attack with him. We've criticized this fire team of not having much possession in the attacking third or in the attacking half for that matter because they're just looking to hit the long ball's encounter and they're not actually building up anything. I'm not saying change your style at all and become a possession-based New York City kind of a team here, but what I am saying is when all you do is knock a long ball, well that that's not creating opportunities, quality opportunities for the team. That's not allowing them to hold on to a lead or you know to attack and have sustained pressure when you're trying to come back from a deficit. It's good in the first 15, 20 minutes, especially at home, especially when you want to knock the visiting team back on their heels a little bit, but you can't be playing like that later on in games. At least that's my opinion. And that is why Brian Gutierrez is so much more effective right now than Jared and Shakiri. Yep. The 19 year old Chicago fire homegrown is much more effective than the 31, 32 year old who has played uh, in champions league, who's played in world cups, who has played for some of the top clubs in the world. Yeah. You heard me say it. And, I'd say you heard it here first, but I haven't said it first because everyone on Chicago Fire's social media is also saying it. So that is the big question. Who is uh, Ezra going to start as their center midfielder? I hope it's Gutierrez, uh, but again, it's not going to surprise me if it's Shakiri, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about why that's not going to surprise you in a minute. Uh, the other question for the Fire is who's going to start at left back? Uh, Miguel Navarro is the starter at the beginning of the season. He was out on international duty last week with uh, Venezuela. But the Fire signed Jonathan Dean from Birmingham and USL in the offseason, and they just brought up Alonso Aceves on loan uh, from Pachuca in Liga MX down in Mexico. So they have kind of three options at left back here, Navarro, Aceves, or Dean. Uh, now, Navarro, again, has been the starter, but hasn't looked real sharp in the first couple games with the Fire, he's also had some discipline problems, right? Meanwhile, Aceves is in his second week in the in the league after coming over on loan. He also got some time, I believe, in the Chicago Fire 2 game down in Miami last weekend. Uh, so you have these two guys who can play left back. And you have Jonathan Dean, who I believe is listed as as a left back or preferred as the left back. But let's be honest, the guy can play left or right side. So here's the crazy option that I'd like to see. Doubt Ezra's going to do it, and I'll tell you why in a minute. And I think there's a lot of people out there in Chicago Fire fanland who would also like to see it. Put a Seves as your left back and Jonathan Dean as your right back. And yep, that would mean uh, not starting Arnaud Souquet, the uh, French signing in the offseason. But I'm okay with that because Souquet has just been okay during the course of uh, the early going in the season. Now, Souquet's strengths are getting forward and assisting in the attack, which is great. We need that. We just talked about that the fire needs some more sustained pressure in the attacking half. However, for a 31-year-old right wing back, he is struggling to recover. Both recover runs, both to track runners. I think in each of the last two weeks, one of Suket's marks were the guys that scored the goal. So he is having a hard time tracking back and getting into good uh, defensive shape, right? But again, I, I would love to see Gutierrez in the middle. I would love to see a and Dean as our wingbacks. But I don't think that's going to happen because of Ezra Hendrickson. And here's why. Over the last season, Ezra has shown, whether it be his on-the-field lineups and play and sub-patterns, as well as some of the comments he's made uh, post-game, Right, and we heard it you know last week, pre-game or post-game, that he's going to keep Shakiri as, as the center mid. He doesn't like to switch players around. He doesn't like to move things around or experiment or tinker or anything like that. Especially last season when he rolled out the same 4-2-3-1 formation in every single game to start and maybe only changed it once in the second half of the game. So he is not someone who likes to change things or try things out. Um, And we saw that there's a few younger players from Fire 2, like a Victor Bezera, who probably should have gotten some more first-team minutes because of all of our striker troubles but for some reason, he didn't want to put him in. So I don't think Ezra is going to switch anything. I would be completely not surprised. Let me put it that way. I would be not surprised at all if the starting lineup shows Miguel Navarro on the left back, Sukay on the right right outside back, and Shakiri in the middle. And then you've got Gutierrez on the wing, who likes to pinch in, have some possession, Pass the ball around a little bit, and then that kind of pulls a little bit of their defensive shape out of position and allows the other teams to attack the wings. And we saw that again with Miami, they liked attacking the wings. You also combine that with the fact that Ezra, when he was really just kind of playing for a point or so and and crammed in his defensive shape, he, he said, I'm clogging the middle of the field. He said, I'm putting two. Blocks of four in the middle of the field, let him play up the wings. So uh, it seems to be working in his favor if he wants Gutierrez on the wing, because then Gutierrez will pinch in, right? Uh, it also kind of plays into the favor of the opposition. So, like I said, I want Gutierrez in the middle. I want a and Dean as our wingbacks. I don't think that Ezra's going to do it. The other question to look at is can the Chicago Fire offense keep up? Uh, one goal in their first game at home against New York, zero goals on the road at Philly, then three goals at home versus. Cincy and three goals on the road at Miami. Can they score another three goals? I am not confident about that because if you look at the Miami game, Miami's defense was absolutely terrible. They, they ball watched Tehran's goal. Uh, They did not Mark Mueller on his run back and they just did not play good defense in the Cincinnati game. Similarly, a bunch of lazy passes to open the second half gave the Fire that goal, as well as a PK uh, that Mueller drew that Chihos converted, had barely converted at that. So while the Fire have scored three goals a game in the last two games, I think that is as much a product of the opposition's defense as it is the Chicago Fire's offense. So I don't think they can keep up this goal scoring. Again, another reason why I think they need to remove Suquet and Navarro from the starting wingback position and add in Aceves and Dean. Now, Federico Navarro and Howard Torres are still out with injuries. I would not expect them, which means you're going to see uh, a lot of uh, Gaston Jimenez or Mauricio Pineda in the middle there as a defensive mid. So be ready for that, as well as Fabian Herbers, of course. So that's our Chicago Fire preview. A few things to keep a lookout for, a few talking points as we prep the game. Let's now flip to the other side of the field and Take a look at DC United. They have four points in five games: a win, three losses, and a draw. And last week lost two to one versus New England. They took the lead just before halftime in the 45th minute on a Kristen Benteke goal, but then lost the game with two second half goals, one coming from Noel Buck in the 88th minute. He is one of the young up-and-comers for DC, uh, I'm sorry, for the New England Revolution. So a name to keep an eye on as you uh as you bounce around the league and watch them the other games. Now getting back to DC manager, Wayne Rooney typically likes to play a four, four, two formation. And he played a lot of that when he came over last season. I think that was a lot of talent evaluation at that point, right? Keep a, keep a, a solid formation. Everyone knows their roles. He can kind of bring some young guys in. He's definitely all for playing the kids, right? But now he's changed it a lot. They have DC United has played several different formations not just to start, but also, you know, second half adjustments, changing formations around a bit. So who knows what they will trot out versus the fire, but regardless of the formation, they are going to do what's best to get the ball to their star striker, Christian venteke He's got three goals so far this season. Uh, he scored in three different games, so a goal a game uh, in three games, but he's done it only with six shots on goal. Uh, and in those first two games that he scored, he had one shot on goal and one goal. And then in their most recent game against New England, he had three shots on goal and one goes in. So he's he's a fairly efficient striker when he can when he can square up and get the ball on net. He also, if you look at statistics from FBref.com, he gets a lot of touches in the box and tries to pass a little bit too. If he can't shoot, he is more than willing to lay it off and then make a run or, or, and work a give and go. Even though his assist numbers uh, are have not been good, his, his attempted passes and play in front uh, is above average for a striker in his position. Again, caveat, most strikers in his position are turning and shooting, so he probably doesn't have a lot of competition for passing numbers with other strikers. Now looking at DC as a whole, Statistically, they are about the same as the Chicago Fire in a lot of categories around MLS, kind of toward the bottom, bottom third, maybe bottom quarter. Yeah, But where they excel, there's a few areas where D.C. excels and and outperforms the Chicago Fire. One is progressive passes, and that is defined by FB ref as a pass that moves the ball 10 yards closer to the goal than it's been recently or any completed pass into the opponent's penalty area. Now, the reason those numbers are are much higher than than most of the league, especially the fire, is that second part of the definition. Passes into the opponent's penalty area. DC plays a lot of crosses into the box relative to other MLS players, which makes sense when you have a big striker, an experienced striker, someone who's been banging in goals in the Premier League up until last year, uh, in Christian Benteke. So those numbers reflect that that dc united wants to get the ball into dangerous areas they want to play forward and i think that's a product of wayne rooney's coaching right additionally dc united has an above average number of shots relative to the rest of the league so they will shoot and the fires defense needs to be in good position and they cannot do what they have done against cincinnati and against philadelphia giving up goals Because the defender is backpedaling into his own 18-yard box. There's at least two goals that I know of, the two I mentioned on this season, probably one or two other ones, where Chicago Fire defenders are backpedaling into their own 18, and the opposing striker is like, all right, well, if you're going to give me space, I'm going to have a rip. Worst thing that happens, your goalie stops it, uh, scuffs it, and one of my guys gets the rebound. Or it takes a deflection, as we have seen, and go in the back of the net anyway. So the fire need to be aware that D.C. will look to whip in crosses and will look to shoot. Now, as far as injuries on the D.C. United side, Pedro Santos is out. However, they did sign midfielder Lewis O'Brien from Nottingham Forest a couple weeks back uh, on loan. Uh, So don't be surprised if he gets the start and D.C. plays a little bit more direct with him looking to link up with Benteke. Now, a little bit of trivia here before we get into the odds and predictions from MLSsoccer.com. They write that D.C. United is the only team that the Chicago Fire defeated in both of their matches last season. They're the only team Chicago beat twice last season. There, I, there may have been a couple where it was a, a win and a draw, perhaps, uh, but D.C. is the only team they beat twice. So D.C. is probably coming in with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder also uh if I if I recall last season I was, actually I, I do recall I was at the game uh, in Soldier Field against DC United and Toxi uh DC's Greek striker had a couple of really good opportunities that that just went begging uh, wide of the post or just over the crossbar I mean the guys what five five six maybe five seven eight on a good day and he was still winning headers uh, in dangerous areas so you you tell you can tell that he's going to want, uh, to play well against Chicago Fire if he's back in the lineup. He also has been nursing an injury lately. Uh, so we'll see what happens to him. If there's anyone out there who's a DC fan or if you know a little bit more about that, please find me on social media at Glasshouse Soccer or email me glasshousesoccer at gmail.com. Last bit of trivia, the last time the Chicago Fire scored three goals in three consecutive games was between June and July of 2021. So not as Far back, um, as you would think. But, yeah, back the last time that they won back-to-back games. So, a little while back. Now, let's look at the odds, and then I'll give you my predictions for the match. Right now, according to BetMGM, and I looked this up earlier today, March 30th, uh, the Fire are at minus 120. So, a very favorable line uh, for a home team here. A home team that is struggling. DC, though, is at plus 310, and the draw is at plus 250. So taking that into account, I am predicting 2-1 victory for the Fire. I have not predicted the Fire to win any matches so far this year, but with a DC United team in flux with some injuries, trying new formations out, working in different, different players and youth players, uh, in addition to the Fire playing more confidently, much closer to a full-strength uh, squad, the exceptions of Torres and Fetty Navarro, but they have some, some depth to that, right? In those positions. And these are probably the best odds I've seen the fire get so far. I am going, and it's supposed to be a decent weekend in Chicago, I think. Maybe a little snow on Saturday. Um, but at least the people were gonna be jived up. It's been like 50s and maybe hit the 60s even tomorrow, if if, if it doesn't rain and, and cool things off a bit. But we want to get out. It's spring break. People want to get out in the city and enjoy it. So I hope that there's a little bit more than the seven, 8,000 people that were there uh, at the last fire home game when it was freezing. And, we, and, and the fans can give the fire a little bit of that extra motivation, along with everything we talked about here, uh, to give the fire a 2-1 victory at home. That's my prediction here. Now, as we do every week, let's take a look at a few things around the league that I'm going to keep my eye on. Here in the Eastern Conference, Uh, can Atlanta bounce back? They got rocked by the Columbus crew last week, 6-1. They are now at home hosting Red Bull New York, New York Red Bull, however you want to pronounce it, however you want to say it. I don't think there's a wrong way to do it, but Red Bull fans, correct me. Uh, Will Atlanta bounce back? They've got Tiago Almada back from international break. They got Miles Robinson back from international break, which, by the way, great to see Miles Robinson running around for the United States in that game. Uh, against El Salvador. Great to see him back. He has become one of my favorite players to watch and root for over the last several years and and was just heartbroken for him that he missed out on his World Cup call. But hopefully he's got at least one more World Cup in him. So that's my Eastern Conference game I'm going to take a look at. Uh, Atlanta, can they bounce back against Red Bull? Western Conference, Will St. Louis continue its historic run versus Minnesota United? As we know, St. Louis is the first expansion team to win five straight, but now they're starting to look at MLS records in general. Uh, Will they be able to tie the seven straight wins to open a season record? And I I believe, and I'm trying to remember the last podcast I listened to that had that trivia on it, um, if it was the Galaxy and Kansas City both have done that before. so. Let's see if St. Louis can continue its historic run. The third game that I'm just kind of interested in from just like, you know, a complete like non-soccer perspective thing. Um, Vancouver is hosting Montreal. You've got the Canadian rivalry going on up there. It's cross-conference. So it's going to be interesting to see how much these teams kind of go for it in terms of wanting to get points since you're not playing against your conference opponent. Uh, but here's the soccer side of it now. There's only one win between these two. Montreal got a win, uh, I think, against Philly a couple weeks back. One win between these two teams. They're desperate for points. Canadian rivalry. This could be a fun one to watch. Anyway, and one little bit of follow-up from last week's match against Miami. Um, you know, I was talking with our, our special guest, John Donovan, about Bryce Duke uh, and and Duke's struggles, especially defensively against the Fire um, but but my word to john was look he these guys got a lot of promise and and the league or i'm sorry the uh the team is invested in him miami's invested in him and sure enough despite his performance uh against the fire recently his contract has been extended through 2025 with an option for 2026 so yep he had a stinker against the fire but i think he's got a, a, a decent future ahead of him well with that we're going to wrap up and make sure that you find us on social media at Glasshouse Soccer. Follow along on Spotify. Make sure you follow. It really helps our numbers. As well as you can email me, glasshousesoccer at gmail.com. I want to thank you all for listening, for your support. Now let's get out there and see another three points in Chicago. Take care, everyone. Hey, Fire fans, this is Nick from Glasshouse Soccer's Feed the Fire podcast, reminding you that if you want to quench your thirst, reach for a bottle of Skira Icelandic spring water available at your local 7-Eleven. Icelandic for clear, Skira water comes from a spring in a government-protected nature preserve in Iceland with naturally low mineral content. This isn't your average water. Clearly, pun intended, it's one of the best. Make sure you grab your bottle at your local 7-Eleven.